Hi, you're listening to The Dive, brought to you by Living Word Press, starting right now. Hi, welcome back to The Dive q and I'm back with Dr. Josh Waltman, Dr. Gary Yates. I'm your host, Brett Yates. Uh, we're going to continue kind of the discussion we've been having around the virgin birth. Finally, Dad, we're going to get back in the Old Testament for you here. So, yeah. <laughs> Feel relieved. Uh, guys, so the question this week, did Isaiah prophesy the virgin birth? Yeah, I thought I would jump in here and then pitch it over to Gary. But, um, you know, we've got this passage in Isaiah 7. Many people are probably very familiar with it. You've got the the reference to the, the child that would be born. And I'll just read the passage for us. Isaiah chapter 7, we'll start in verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, asked the Lord your God for a sign whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. It is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then, you know, we we jump over to Matthew chapter 1 here. And then we see this reference in, in verse 22 to this event. And in verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, Dr. Yates, what do we do with this? I mean, surely there's more to just the, you know, we, we might call it the messianic sort of fulfillment and all, but like, is that what Isaiah had in mind? Was he thinking of the event that was going to come in Matthew when he uh, made this prophecy in Isaiah 7? Yeah, is he making a direct prophecy about Jesus? And uh, if not, what's going on? Because one of, the, one of the issues, and I think this will be a, kind of a fun part of this discussion, is Matthew sometimes seems to use the Old Testament and say, hey, this is a fulfillment of that. But we go back and we read the Old Testament text, and we're like, how did he get that? You know, and Greg Beal had a book, uh, The Right Doctrine from the Wrong Text. <laughs> right. And it kind of seems sometimes like that's what's happening. And uh, I know we talk about this a little bit in, in hermeneutics classes, and I, I, I warn students, uh, look, Matthew, uh, Matthew did something here. Uh, you, you need to be careful of the way that, that, that you may be practicing what he's doing here. Hmm. Um, so the, a couple of issues just to set the, uh, set the uh, background for this. Uh, Matthew says... The virgin birth of Jesus is a fulfillment of Isaiah. Before the New Testament, there was never um, any any. There's no evidence that the Jews ever read this um, as an anticipation of a virgin-born Messiah, or there, you know, that there was, um, you know, the expectation that Messiah would be born of a virgin. So that's that's one issue. Um, why why do we suddenly see that enter into the picture? Uh, the second thing is, is that when you read the details of the Isaiah seven passage, and and you know many people would say traditionally this is this is exclusively about Jesus. The problem is, is that it seems to be uh, referring to a child that was born in Isaiah's day, mm. uh, and that this child would be assigned to this unbelieving king. So what's happening is, um, you know, Israel or Judah's being invaded by Israel and Syria. And the Lord wants to assure Ahaz, look, I'm going to take care of you, and, and these armies are, are not going to be a problem. Uh, and in fact, if you need confirmation of that, I'll give you a sign. And you can ask me for anything, you know, uh, <laughs> make it snow in July or whatever you want. I'll give you a sign to confirm that. And uh, Ahaz says, I, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Sounds pious, but he really just doesn't believe. So what ends up happening is the Lord gives him 
his own sign. Mm. I'm, I'm going to give you the sign. And the sign is, is that, as it's explained in verses uh, 15 and 16, before this child is old enough to know the, uh, the difference between good and evil, the two enemies that you're afraid of uh, are not even going to be around. So how can this relate to a child that you know, was born 700 years later and still be assigned to, uh, uh, to the unbelieving king? I, I think this indicates we're probably talking about a child that was born um, in Isaiah's day. Now, so that I think those two things uh, are partly what raised this issue here. Okay, so one of the I th- one of the questions that I think comes up when people hear this. Okay, so you're telling me that there was another Emmanuel in the Old Testament. What is that? What's that all about? Yeah, or a bigger issue was there? Are you saying there was a second virgin birth? <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, yeah, so. are we talking about a, a real virgin birth? <laughs> like, what's going on? No, I, I believe in one virgin birth, by the way, and <laughs> okay. that was uniquely true of Jesus. This, this gets us into the question of the, the meaning of this word virgin that's in Isaiah, uh, which is the Hebrew word alma and, and has a, a broader meaning than just a technical per, you know, term like a person who has never had sexual relations, like we would think of a virgin. This is talking about a young woman of marriageable age. And uh, so this young woman of marriageable age uh, is, is going to conceive and have a child. And even if we were to concede that this is talking about like a, a, a virgin in the, in the technical sense of the term, it doesn't tell us how she will conceive or that she will you know, have this child in a miraculous way. It simply says there's a, there's, a, there's a young woman that will have this child, and before the child's old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, uh, this, this child will be born that will be a constant reminder to you that you should have trusted God. Because these, these two enemies are, are, are not going to be around that much longer. And, and you're about to make a serious mistake by, by not trusting me. So would you say, you know, I know some of the discussion on all of this. Are we talking about like a dual fulfillment? Or are we talking about sort of a, a type that's established and that, that's being picked up on in the New Testament or, or what? Right. I think there's two, two possibilities here. We could talk about this as uh, some people use the term double fulfillment. Mm-hmm or maybe pattern fulfillment, that there's a, um, the, the prophecy is talking about a child to be born in the near future. And, and I think when you look at the way that Isaiah 8 talks about the birth of Isaiah's son, Maharshalo Hashbaz, mm-hmm. who has the best name in the Bible. Yeah, 100% is. I think he is the, probably the contemporary fulfillment. But you know, prophecies sometimes have near and far fulfillments, and we have a reference to another child over in chapter nine. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called, uh, you know, wonderful counselor, mighty God. This seems to be a reference to the future Messiah. So, could we have a dual fulfillment, a near and far, like we have another, or sometimes a pattern fulfillment, where the pattern appears multiple times? So that's one possibility. But I, I think the other possibility is that Matthew may simply be making a typological connection. There was a, there was a child um, in Isaiah's day that represented to an unbelieving king that God was with his people in the midst of a time of devastating judgment and national crisis. In a greater way, uh, you know, and that child represents Emmanuel. God is with us. He's a sign of that. That's, that's the, the name that's given to him. In a, in a heightened and greater way, you know, fulfilling the type and being the anti-type, Jesus literally was born of a virgin and literally and truly was God with us. 
and he ends up being assigned to an unbelieving king, Herod, in the, or in the in the story there, uh, and 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 uh, representing God's presence with his people at a time of crisis when they really need God's presence. Uh, so I, I think I, I would see this uh, more in the in terms of the idea of typology, mm-hmm. and I think the the thing that's interesting is that the Hebrew word Alma, uh, it's a, pardon the pun here, but I think it's a pregnant term mm-hmm. that could. <laughs> I like that. We're not talking about two virgin births here. We're right. talking about a young woman in Isaiah's day, possibly even Isaiah's wife, giving birth to this child. But there's, you know, an unmarried woman in Isaiah's culture and those types of things would have inferred someone that is uh, truly a virgin. And so I, I think the term can almost do like a, it, it serves a dual function. A double where, entendre in a way. Yeah, yeah. Or just it's a, there's enough, uh, there's enough flexibility in this word that it can refer to the near fulfillment um, and the future fulfillment. And I, and I think that's what's going on when Isaiah uses the term fulfill. Um, you know, I think about all the uh, the NFL pregame shows and that sort of thing. Everybody makes their predictions of who's going to win, and and we tend to think of uh, of fulfillment simply in the sense of like I'm I'm predicting something that's in the future. But Isaiah, but uh, Matthew, I think uses that term in a much broader way. the The prophecy of Isaiah is being filled out. Mm-hmm. Its full significance is coming to light here, and it's not just about a child uh, that. You know, demonstrated uh, in Isaiah's day, God's with us. Uh, there's a filling out now to where a virgin conceives, um, and then uh, ultimately that child is God with us. And and so I see that being what's going on. Matthew uh, is is basically using uh, the hermeneutics of typology, which he would have learned reading the Old Testament itself. Right. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of types and figures within the Old Testament itself before we ever get to the New Testament. Yeah, and I think, I think maybe some of the listeners who have, are being introduced to this for the first time, they may initially think, oh, well, it's, you know, that's not a prophecy that was you know, a prediction you know, back in the Old Testament. We, because I think we've been, we've been sort of taught that passage in that way for a long time. But what I'm hearing from you is, even though it's not to be thought of strictly as a, as a future fulfillment or prediction— that ultimately there's still, I mean, the, the, the picture here and what's going on with the New Testament, I mean, it's still speaking to an incredible story and its fulfillment is, is larger and bigger. And I think you use the term fuller um, than anything maybe we, we would have understood previous to this. Right. And, I, you know, I think it's a little broader than just a, a prediction. Right. But I think we also have to understand that, prof- that typology itself right. is prophetic. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who, you know, reveals this to the prophet Isaiah, and there, there's there's a, a deeper and fuller significance to this. This is not just Isaiah later on coming to a, a, a realization. Oh, I, you know, I see what's going on here. The Holy Spirit, I think, had encoded that into the text. Knew full well what he was doing yeah, the whole so time. It's not just retrospect. Like the the Holy Spirit prophetically speaks here. But but maybe in a way that uh, I I don't know that the prophet Isaiah would have understood it. Yeah, would have fully recognized all mm-hmm. this. There, there's one one other thing that happens in all this is that when the the Hebrew uh, text of Isaiah is translated into Greek, um, the word that is you know Alma for young woman or virgin in Isaiah was actually translated as Parthenos mm-hmm. in the in the Septuagint in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. 
which does have the more technical sense of, of virgin. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that has something to do with, uh, with Matthew's selection of this passage as well, is that hey, we've got a, a specific verse making reference to a virgin uh, giving birth to this child, and, and that's what happens uh, with the virginal conception and then birth of Jesus. Wow, that's great. That really gives us a lot of insight. I, I will say, just as an aside here, Brad, I think uh, we figured out what your next kid's name is going to be. <laughs> uh, don't I like Chala Hasbaz. I, I mean, actually like Jehoshaphat. But, uh, uh, sure. It's tough to get Mahershala Hasbaz yeah, on like, the back of a jersey. So. <laughs> It'll have so. to be there to spell it on the birth certificate. So, <laughs> guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week, kind of a continuation of this topic again, right. I think. So, hey, we'll see you back here. Thank you for diving in with us.